Welcome to the Rise Method podcast, where we make fitness information available to everyone. I'm Steve. Let's jump in. What's up, guys? Coach Steve here, and welcome back to another episode of the Rise Method podcast. In today's episode, we have a very special guest here, Laura Watts. Welcome to the Rise Method podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, finally. Finally, yes. So, a little bit about Laura. Laura is my life partner, my wife, the mother of... (laughs) The mother of my two children, yeah. our two children, uh, Pilates extraordinaire. Just Pilates instructor's fine. Pilates extraordinaire, karaoke queen, oh, step, yeah. queen step queen, break dancer, yeah. wine connoisseur. Love a glass of wine every now and then. And also a human. Ah. You're human, right? Yes, human. Yes. Human so, life form. as a fellow human, you mm. experience hunger. Like oh, yeah. We all experience hunger. And today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about hunger and how we can manage our hunger, and then a little bit about the fear associated with food that can be presented as feeling full. Okay, mm. so we're going to talk about the fear of feeling full. That will be a feeling full. That's a mouthful. mouthful. Yep. Pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're talking a little bit about the fear of feeling full. Uh, and how that can come across as the the sense of being full when really you're not actually full, you're kind of hungry. We'll talk a little bit more about that mm. later. Okay. Now, Laura, you have been pregnant twice. Twice, yes. That you know. No, definitely twice. <laughs> <laughs> and while you were pregnant, you had lots of cravings for food that presented themselves as feeling hunger, hungry, right? Yes, nine what months ki- of pure hunger. What kind of cravings did you have? With George... Our firstborn, um, we we I say George and I <laughs> craved citrus. We needed everything lemon, everything lemon. Henry, our youngest, was a chocolate craving. Chocolate, chocolate begins. We fell for every now and then. Anything chocolatey, we could get our hands on. Um, yeah, that's crazy difference between both of them. But citrus and chocolate. Citrus and chocolate. Mainly lemon in the citrus, yeah. Yeah. Now, when we are dieting, a very normal thing that happens is feelings of hunger, right? We want more food because we are restricting some food intake. Our, our body, our brain, our nervous system isn't um, used to that. And we start craving foods. And sometimes we start pointing fingers at certain food groups. You've probably mm-hmm. heard this before. Like, ah, uh, if I'm craving, um, you know, red meat it must mean that i am uh, you know low in salt or if i'm yeah. craving apples it must mean that i need uh, vitamin k or you know there are some rationale behind it where you think oh yeah one and one makes two sometimes it's completely arbitrary and the first thing we need to appreciate with hunger is that there's a very weak next to no connection with cravings um, and then a desire of vitamins and minerals okay most of our hunger comes down to two parts one is wanting more energy and the other part is very uh, environmentally driven, right? Mm. Based around our behaviors, routines, and the literal environment that we're in, okay? And what this means is that we can influence um, things like our physiology, our hormones, our energy balance, um, but then... There's, it comes to a point where we, we can't change it too much, right? We don't have complete 100% control of the hormones inside our body unless we're taking, you know, really powerful drugs and some really cool ones out now. 
the other side of the coin is that our environment is something that we could influence and sometimes we can't, right? You know, when you're when you're growing up, you're living at your, your parents' home and you can't really change the environment too much, right? You know, your, your, your parents buy you food, cook you the food, you can't change that a lot. But as you transition through life, you go through different environmental stages um, and that influences things like your hunger, your satiety and how you consume foods, okay? Um, and... You see people point the finger at things like genetics, like, oh, my children are overweight or I am overweight because my parents were overweight. And some people point the fingers at genetics and that plays a part in it, but a lot of it has to do with the environment and the habits and the routines that you pick up. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, energy balance, hormone side of things, and then also the environmental side of things. Okay, so first thing we need to appreciate, Laura, is that we have hormones that uh, drive our hunger. Okay. We do, Stephen. We do. They have fancy names. So uh, one of them you'll probably hear is called ghrelin, and that's like our hunger hormone. So ghrelin starts with G, hungry, has a, has a G in a hungry. Um, so that's how I remember it. So ghrelin um, drives our hunger, and that comes from the stomach. Right? So when the stomach feels empty, it starts to release ghrelin. Okay? And it growls. It growls, yeah. Good. <laughs> uh, the other side of it is leptin. Leptin is our satiety hormone so when you are consuming food you finish eating food um, leptin starts to climb um, and once it reaches a certain point you feel satisfied that you've eaten food okay and that's made in the, the pancreas okay there are a few other uh, hormones like ppy it's made in the uh, small intestine the main point is that we have different hormones and those hormones um, kind of go through a normal routine shift and start to mold themselves into our daily needs okay so if you eat let's say breakfast lunch and dinner at you know uh, 6 a.m., 12, and then 6 p.m. That's like your normal eating routine. You will find that your hormones will start to spike in those times uh, because it's getting ready for food. Your brain, your body knows, all right, food is coming, those hormones spike. Now, there are ways that we can modify those hormone signals and mostly in a negative way. So for example, if you have a really poor quality sleep, that drives down the uh, leptin response and really drives up the ghrelin response. So you feel hungry and then less satisfied when you eat. So chronically poor sleep makes you hungry, it makes you eat more, yeah? Or if you're super stressed, you may find that you are um, feeling hungry a lot um, and then also not as satisfied when you do consume food. So these are some hormones that we can appreciate. Um, we don't have a lot of control over them. They are um, something that, that happens, like the rest of the hormones in our body, um, but they do start to become in sync with um, our, our, our bodies, right? And one example some folks experience, and you've experienced this, when you go abroad and there's a different time zone, um, <clears throat> you start feeling hungry at the same time as when you're back home, even if you've just eaten, Right. So if we were going overseas, let's say we're going to Italy. It's like food jet lag. That's right, yeah. So it, it syncs with like our circadian, circadian rhythm. So um, if we're normally eating dinner at like 6 o'clock, mm-hmm. um, when we're normally having Sini's dinner a little bit earlier. Yes, earlier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, when we are overseas and the time zone is different, you may start to feel feelings of hunger, regardless if your stomach is full or not, or if you've eaten or not, around those times. That's something to appreciate. So especially those folks who are having lots of split shifts, who are working um, through through the night, or, you know, like they're real 
paramedic emergency service worker where they're working in uh, mornings, evenings, all, all the next on call, yeah. that all works. Um, our hunger can change a lot. Okay. Having to appreciate. <clears throat> so that's one part of the hunger conundrum is understanding the hormones side of things. The other side of it is to really appreciate the environment that we're in. Okay. Now, Laura, as our fellow human representative mm, here, yeah. when we're in an environment that has lots of food, we're more likely to eat more, right? Yeah. So imagine like on the counter behind us, there was a tray of cookies mm-hmm. and chocolate, yeah. uh, some other candies um, and other sweets. Okay. So those are really nice, tasty foods that are there. There's a certain point where if you're dieting and you look at that plate of platter or bowl of food, you will keep saying no and no and no to that food to a certain point, mm. right? It's kind of like when you go to someone's house and they've got like the bowl of favorites at the dining table, right? You just had dinner. You're not really hungry, but you're looking at the bowl of favorites. Um, you know, there's like the bounty and the Mars and the Turkish Delight. And I'm pretty sure they're not in favorites. Whatever they are. Bounty, Turkish, Turkish lighters. Yeah. The other one wasn't. No. no. Anyway. Point is, you're staring at this bowl of Shows who chocolate. has favorites and who doesn't have favorites. <laughs> <laughs> you're staring at this bowl of uh, chocolate and you've eaten your food, but there's a certain point where your kind of willpower gives in and you end up just eating it without thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and you... Sometimes you don't do it without thinking. You know, you look down, you've got like three or four wrappers in front of you. You're like, oh, did I really just eat that? I don't really remember eating that. So it's important to appreciate that our environment influences a lot of these behaviors. Um, and then we find that we are consuming foods without knowing that we're consuming foods and consuming foods when we're not truly hungry. Okay. So environment plays a part of it. Okay. Another part of it is just normal behavior and routine. So if you're coming home from work and uh, every day you come home from work and let's say you come home from work at five o'clock, mm-hmm. yeah, walk through the door and your go-to is to make yourself a sandwich. Um, even if you're hungry or not, just a normal routine, you walk in the door, the cue might be that you unlock the door, your brain goes, all right, sandwich is coming up. You walk through the kitchen, you just make a sandwich, start eating the sandwich without really thinking. Yeah. So... Um, most of these behaviors and routines are things that we can start to influence and control over, right? And a really powerful way to change some of these behaviors and routines is to create what's called friction, okay? So <clears throat> imagine like um, we're about to go and sit down on the couch over there. Now, for people listening to this, they can't see the couch, but there's a couch over there. Uh, we're going to watch a movie and we're going to have a bowl of ice cream. Okay. Yep. Um, do we have ice cream in the house? I'm not sure. I okay. Think yeah. Hey, anyway, so that's part of the problem where if we wanted to have ice cream, we, we, we can't. No. Right? So there's a bit of friction to do that. So you'll probably send me out and go to Coles and buy well, some I was going to say I'm not pregnant yep. anymore, so that yep. won't fly. Yeah. Um, so the point that we're trying to make is that because it's difficult to do that activity, we probably won't sit down and have ice cream. We might find something else to eat or maybe just not anything, just watch, watch a movie or whatever we decide to do. So that is one example of creating friction. And uh, you might go through your routine in your life and go, well, you know, I'm finding that I'm snacking at this time when I don't want to snack 
or I'm eating without being aware that I'm eating, because that happens, yeah. um, and we need to create friction. Okay. The other side of the conversation is to remove friction, make it easier. Yeah. So let's say you want to eat more fruits and vegetables in your life. What would you do to make it easier to have more fruits and vegetables in your life? Have them in the house. That's step one. That's step one. Yep. Have them ready available. Yep. Step two, prep them. Yeah, probably prep them. I feel like if it's good to go, I don't like biting into an apple. Mm-hmm. So that's just how I work. Mm-hmm. I don't like biting into an apple. Everything has to be prepped. Grapes have to be off their little stemmy things. Um, also, I seem to follow what my children are eating. So if they're eating more fruit, I'll eat more fruit. If you're eating more fruit, I'll eat more fruit. If everyone's eating biscuits and wheat beaks, I'll tend to eat more biscuits and wheat beaks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that's a great example of that environment, right, yeah. where you are being led by the people around you mm. um, and that sometimes it's really hard to make the change. Like if you are going through a process where you want to lose weight, transform your body, get, get fit, get healthy, but everybody around you, friends, family, roommates, um, people at work or whoever else is in your circles um, are still having the behaviours that they normally do. And you, you, you can't expect everybody to change for you. No. Right? It becomes really challenging because you're, you've got a lot of friction in your life. It's, that's, that's what you appreciate. Um, <clears throat> the final part of uh, the satiety complex is understanding that we have a bit of a dance when it comes to eating. Yeah. So when we're eating food and we're consuming food, we're chewing it, we're tasting it, we're enjoying the experience, and that leads to an increased level of satiety. That's how our brain registers if we're satisfied from eating that food. Um, so if you are eating food and you are distracted, like you're watching TV, on your device, on your phone, um, or just scoffing it down and not paying attention to it, uh, or just not really being present while you're eating, that can lead to overconsumption. And there's some really interesting studies where we're looking at, you know, 10, 20% of an increase in food intake when we're not paying attention or when we're distracted. So um, it's called the sensory specific satiety, right? SSS, um, meaning that we want to have the sensations of eating food. So that helps us to register food. So if you are finding that you are sitting down, having a meal, not paying attention, and then feeling hungry after the meal, it might be because you weren't present in the meal and of course when you're hungry okay so there are a few ideas around hunger okay do you have any other ideas no i just want to touch on that point a little bit i remember that you know however many years ago pre-covid um i'd work in an office environment or a space and i would eat my lunch at work while i'm working Mm -hmm. just to get more from my lunch break Mm -hmm. um however i always felt that while i was working and eating after my lunch break or during my lunch break, I ended up getting second lunch because of the points you touched on. I don't even remember eating that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just to, for other reasons. Um, yeah, and I think that's very common that people do, um, constantly eating at their desk. I know my work was more like you need to not eat at your desk. Um, and then they'd bring in like, you know, your morning teas and your lunches and things like that. You try not to... Um, you know, eat too many bad things in quotation marks. Um, but you're there socializing. So it is a bit of a, um, a struggle. Struggle is real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, 
especially when you're forced into those environments where yeah. you, um, you know, I am going to eat because I'm uh, on the road, or I'm, I'm going to eat because I, I'm, I'm really busy at work, or I'm a, I'm a shift worker, I'm an, I'm an ER nurse, we've got a few of them in the, as RISE members right now, where you might not have a lot of time to sit down and have that experience. And that's just a, a challenge that we need to overcome. And um, I would recommend that you, you try to find time to sit down and eat. And I hope that your workplace or whatever environment you're in, you can have a couple minutes to sit down and consume food. Um, but realize that it can lead to overconsumption. And if you are struggling to lose weight, that might be one of the core reasons why. Um, and circling back to something you mentioned there where you didn't realize that you were eating that food. Mm. That's really common. Mm. Um, and, you know, folks on the Rise app will message me and say, oh, you know, I, I went out last night and, you know, we got kebabs. Um, or, you know, I had ice cream last night or a glass of wine or whatever it was. My first question or comment I make is that is I just say, you know, did you enjoy it? Yeah, did you have a good time? Did you have a good time? Um, and... Most of the time, it's it's followed up with, oh, yeah, it was really great. You know, I got to see a, a friend or I got to hang out with, with someone or just relax and whatever it was. That's totally fine. The problem is when we're not paying attention mm. to those behaviors. So if you sit down and, you know, turn on Netflix uh, and, you know, next thing you know, you're holding an empty punnet of ice cream, mm. just the container, you don't realize that you've eaten the whole thing, that's a problem. Yeah. Um, so it's okay to enjoy something if you're paying attention to it. But if you are just consuming things without thinking, um, that uh, isn't really great behavior long-term uh, and just leads to overeating food. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about a few ideas around hunger and what might cause hunger, cause us to overeat, and then what might limit our uh, satiety levels, how satisfied we feel when we do consume food. Now, I want to touch on one idea where I'm um, talking a little bit about that fear of food. Um, and we see this a lot um, at, at RISE where folks would uh, join our program, we would prescribe them a calorie number, um, and there's a bit of resistance. Firstly, with a fear of the number, and that's usually with a misunderstanding of what a calorie is. Oh, this number is too high. Why? I, I just think it's too high. Uh, and then two, a fear of always feeling full. And that feeling of fullness might come from the food choices that we have where we're often leaning towards foods that are low in calories and high in volume. Talk about that in a moment. And then an, another concept where we are a bit scared to feel full because that's associated with overeating mm -hmm. and that's associated with weight gain. So instead of sitting there and eating you know, your entire meal, you would stop halfway because you think, oh, I'm not allowed to feel full because if I do feel full, that's going to mean that I gain weight. Yeah? yeah. And it's not... A direct correlation but we can see how folks make that shortcut um, and go well yeah i'm going to stop myself from feeling full because that feeling of fullness is going to lead to weight gain which is it is totally false okay so the first way to understand that is that we need to appreciate that weight gain and weight loss occurs through energy balance so when we're consuming too much energy that's when we gain weight so it's not if we're feeling full it's not like we're um, you know, stretching our, our stomach mechanically and that's causing the weight gain. Um, it's about the total energy that we're consuming throughout the day. Does, does that make sense around that idea of energy balance really driving the weight loss and the, the weight gain and how um, you know, feeling full does not correlate with, with weight gain, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have you experienced that before? 
I no, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't believe so. Now it, it it can be quite rare, and it is in the realm of um kind of in this like ED area of like an eating disorder. And yeah. if you are feeling um these sensations of like a, a fear around food um or anxiety around eating or the the fear of actually finishing your plate and feeling full. This is in the area of, uh, you know, we need to see a, a dietitian or even someone in the, the maybe like psychology realm, much higher than what we're offering here at the RISE method. So something to, to appreciate that if you are feeling these types of things, that it's just, it's not necessarily a normal feeling. It's not necessarily something that you um, should be feeling. Um, and it is in the realm of, hey, you might actually need a little bit, a little bit of help. Okay, or um, a little bit of care as we go through this process. So a little bit I think of self love. Yeah, care yeah. is probably the main one for it because I think you can definitely eat and feel full, feel heavy. If you've eaten a heavy dish, you feel sluggish. You feel mm. sometimes you feel you feel a bit gross, mm. um, and then you just automatically regret what you've eaten um, and feel sort of like uncomfortable, and you feel like maybe I've put on extra weight or whatever the situation or I've undone the work I did during the day. Um, I think that's quite a common feeling. I think, I, you know, probably for male and female, but I think mainly for that female um, body conscious, you know, uh, look and feel. But, um, yeah, I think that's quite common. I think mm. that just needs a little bit of care, self-care, um, education around um, eating or, as you said, those those feelings. Mm. Um because it's it's natural, it's normal. You're not doing anything wrong. Did you enjoy the meal? Did you have a good night? Yeah, yeah. Now, something to uh, appreciate with this idea is that number one, if you are going to getting to a point where you are like not finishing your food, um, and then you're always kind of hungry, <clears throat> what tends to happen is folks because they're always hungry, they're always kind of snacking. Um, and they're not really counting those calories, right? Uh, and then we get to a point where we're not seeing the progress that we want to make um, because it starts with potentially not finishing your food or not feeling satisfied when you do sit down and, and have a normal meal, right? So if you are feeling the urge to not finish your food because you're worried about feeling full, um, that might be causing some lack of progress later on down the line. Next thing to appreciate is that different foods have different calorie contents and it's often not associated with the size of the meal. Okay, so uh, an example I would give is, let's say Cadbury chocolate and you've got a serving of Cadbury chocolate, which is 25 grams and that's four blocks of chocolate or a row. Yeah, Um, most people would eat that without even thinking Mm. about it, right? Um, And there's about 130 calories in that, that row of chocolate, yeah. Um, again, most people eat it. We go for the second row without thinking about it. Now, that's the same as having uh, you know, almost a kilo of watermelon. Yeah, right. Right? And when you think about a kilo of watermelon, you're like, that's a lot of watermelon, right? That's a lot of toilet trips. Right? Um, so when we compare those two, one, that's a lot of folks won't get through a kilo of watermelon. Um but then two, the other folks will probably go for that second or even third row of Cadbury chocolate. So the calories in the meal isn't associated with the volume of the food. Yeah. So if you are choosing lots of foods that are really high in volume, like I'm having lots of lettuce, really big salads, lots of water with that, of course you're going to feel food, 
full um, without consuming many calories. And it's a really great way to approach a diet. Hey, I'm always feeling full, but I'm losing weight. Hey, win-win rather than starving yourself. Um, but also appreciate that feeling full isn't directly leading to weight gain because of the, the actual calories that might be in the food that you're choosing to eat. Okay. It's interesting that you say that. So a common, that, a common question, comment that comes through, um, usually at the start of every sort of challenge, is that, oh, this is a lot of food. Mm-hmm. How am I going to finish my food? I can't finish my food. It's a lot of food. Mm-hmm. And that's just, um, I guess, just retraining that calorie counting idea. Counting idea. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially when you compare, you know, common foods you see in common classic Aussies that would eat, you know, I'd go to a pub and have a, a chicken parma or a burger or meals that we associate with like high calorie content. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we compare that to foods that are associated with like, you know, healthy fitness lifestyles where, you know, if we were to have say like a chicken salad at home, you know, that might only be you know, 500 calories and that's like a whole massive bowl. My hands are doing this yeah, thing, yeah. right? Um, versus cool. if we went out to dinner and we had like a, a burger with some fries, you know, that's a really small meal. Um, you know, I can fit in my hands uh, and maybe some fries and that might be double the amount of calories that I have. Yeah. So we need to understand that the volume of food doesn't always equate to the, the, the calories of the meal. Okay. So let's uh, go through some advice on how to manage your hunger maybe some tips how to manage your hunger. And it needs to be understood that, you know, hunger is normal. Hunger is a a powerful um, and guiding tool to help us make decisions. Um, But there's also unnecessary hunger that that appears without us wanting and needing it. Okay, so a few very quick ideas. Number one, chew your food. Okay, so... Chew your food, enjoy your food. Yeah. Um, so chewing your food actually starts a digestion process um, and it does change our hunger hormone slightly through a process called PPY um, and can help us feel more satisfied when we can uh, like eat the food, right? Um, and that might mean that you take a couple extra bites than normal. So if you aren't conscious of how often you chew, maybe you start by counting how many chews you do um, and then try to do one more extra chew in the next bite. Right. Choo, choo, choo. How many choose? How many choose? choose you do. How many choose you do? Yeah, right. So you're probably not aware. Like most folks, how many how many times do you chew your food? I don't know. Um, you know, have you ever timed yourself? How like long it takes you to chew? And yeah, okay, it all depends. Like if you have a spoonful of um, rice versus a cut of steak, it might be different. Yeah, um, but just reflect on that and think, okay, uh, how long am I taking to chew? Right? Or if you're eating with someone. Can I chew longer than they do, you know, without them knowing, right? Let us hey, know how long you chew for. Us, let <laughs> us know. Next tip is to avoid distractions. So kind of going back to that, that SSS idea um, of sensory specific satiety where pay attention to what you're doing. You're trying to eat, you're trying to enjoy the flavors, the taste, maybe the people, the company that you're around and trying to be distracted with, you know, TV devices, reading newspapers, whatever you decide to do. Try to avoid that while you're eating. And you may find that you feel more satisfied and less likely to go for a second lunch, right? Third idea is what I call uh, preemptive snacking. Yeah. Um, and this idea is a little bit related to um, the calorie volume idea. So if you are feeling really hungry, um, you might preemptively snack on something like watermelon um, or popcorn 
or foods that are very high in volume, low in calories, so that you don't overconsume or snack on other foods like the row of Cadbury chocolate before the meal. Yeah. Um, other ideas around pre- preemptive snacking is if you know that you're hungry at a certain time every day, you know, like that 3.30-itis idea, mm. you might choose to have a snack just prior to that so that you're not reaching for high-calorie foods. Because if you're not prepared for something, like if you don't have the fruit chopped up, the apple slices chopped up, mm. ready to consume, you're more likely to make poor choices. You'll reach for the, the, the cookies and the candy and the lollies and the bowl of favorites with the whatever's in favorites these days. <laughs> um, you're more likely to reach for those types of ideas. So be prepared, preemptively snack, mm. right? Next idea is to improve your sleep. Um, a lot of folks, we do enjoy our nighttime routines, um, or for some of us, you know, the only time that you have free is in the evening. So going to bed is a bit of a sacrifice that so you can have just more time just to relax. Um, but if you improve your sleep, you may improve your uh, hunger hormones, meaning that you're less likely to want to crave food and the more satisfied you do eat food. Okay. <clears throat> Next idea is around food choices. So becoming a little bit more calorie aware um, and making slightly better decisions on foods that are better in line with your goals. So if you are feeling really hungry all the time, you might choose to increase the volume of foods. So instead of eating rice, try to have more, let's say, sweet potatoes, right? You might find that the sweet potato might be a bit higher in volume um, and makes you feel more full. Yeah. Versus the other way around, if you're feeling really full, you may choose to make more energy dense foods. So swapping out the you know lettuce for you know maybe potatoes as an example, swapping over. The other idea is to appreciate is that there are foods that are really highly palatable. That means that once you start eating it, it's really hard to stop eating it. Um, and often these foods are really hyper processed, ultra processed foods. So you know your candies, your sweets, your lollies. Um, and then also a mix of carbohydrate and fats. So when you think of really tasty foods, let's say pasta, for example, it's if you had just a bowl of pasta, that's not very exciting. But if you had pasta, pasta is very exciting. If you had pasta mixed in with something like parmesan cheese, mm. right, or a creamy sauce, yeah. or like a bolognese, right, you're mixing the carbohydrate with fat, and that becomes tasty, mm. right. Or another example is, let's say, pizza. Everybody loves pizza. If you had just the pizza base with, I don't know, tomato sauce and uh, some mushrooms, that might not be very exciting, right? right. Because it's just, it's just all carb. But if you mix that with cheese or like a pepperoni or a prosciutto or something, those that mixture of carb and fat, really tasty and really highly palatable. We'll eat a lot of it without thinking too much, right? Yeah. So if you are finding it really hungry, it might be because you're having lots of foods that are mixed with carbon fat mm-hmm. in lots of amounts. And you might find if you just isolate it, it's less less tasty and you're less likely to eat much. And then also really high for processed foods. And then a mixture of those two both together combined, ooh, that's a dangerous mix of overconsumption, yeah. right? The final idea, probably the most powerful one, is the environmental change. So if you can find ways to uh, <clears throat> make foods that... Um, I call it like your kryptonite, right? And my foods that are kryptonite are things like hummus mm. and things like yogurt. Mm. Can't have them in the house. Or if they do come in the house, they don't stay in the house for long no. because I eat it. So um, if you can create friction um, to 
make it harder to have those foods. Like they, they, they're just not in the house or if they are in the house, they're in another part of the house. It's hard to get to. Or if you... Um, There's a poster note on it saying not for Stephen. Yes. And it, it, it still gets it still gets <laughs> Yes, yes. Um, so those types of environmental changes, if you can make them, um, are really powerful. And if you can't make them because of your, your environment that you're in, so let's say another example is, is, is bread, right? If you really love bread for whatever reason you love, um, you know, toast and sandwiches and stuff, um, if you put that bread in, let's say, the freezer, you can still access it, but it's harder to access. So when you're like, oh, I just want a slice of bread to eat, it's frozen, oh, I've got to defrost it, I've got to put the microwave, it's not too much effort, too much friction, uh, I'm just going to do something else. Um, but the bread is still there for other people to use in the house, right? Yeah. So that that might be a way that you change the environment to make it suitable for you, but then without negatively impacting the people around you, right? Um, now, if hunger has set its course, it's it's planted its seed, it's there, you know, you're feeling it, you're like, hello, hunger, right? Here's what you can do. So this is, we've hit hangry, or are we on the way to hangry? Yeah, so step one is actually check your language. Ah, mm -hmm. yeah. So language is really powerful. Mm -hmm. Language is how we communicate and language makes up our thoughts, right? So um, if you approach hunger and you're experiencing hunger, but you go, oh, you know, I'm hungry, I'm just a little bit peckish. That is using language that describes a very low level of hunger. Or if you're using language like, oh, I'm hangry, or gosh, geez, I'm so hungry, I'm starving, I could, I could, I could eat like a horse or eat the house down or whatever colloquialism you say, that language you choose dictates how much you're going to eat. Yeah. Yeah. So if you start by changing your language, you go, what you're going to eat. Yeah, exactly. So if you say like, oh, you know, I am hungry, you've acknowledged that I'm hungry, I'm experiencing the feelings of hunger, you get to choose what you do, right? So it's not like it's a, it's an instant response. You feel the emotion, you feel the feeling in your body, and you get to choose, right? Do I eat or do I, you know, am I sticking to my goal? And I know that eating time is, is later, right? You get to choose. Part of that managing the hunger is choosing the language you use. So you, you can either say, I'm starving, I'm hangry, I, you know, I haven't eaten in so long, I need some food. Or you might choose to say, oh, <clears throat> you know, I could eat if it was there, but you know, I'm just a bit peckish. Mm. It's going to be fine. It's going to pass. So you get to choose. That's part one. Part two is to take a pause. So if you are hungry, try your best pause in the moment and reflect. Am I actually hungry? Or am I bored? Am I hungry or uh, you know, am I thirsty? Am I hungry or am I just like you know, looking for something to do in the meantime? Mm. So you might find that if you pause in that moment, stop, reflect, and distract yourself and go, oh, well, okay, I'm going to make myself a cup of tea. Or I might just go for a walk. Or I might just like, you know, make the bed or like tidy up the other room. You might find the hunger passes and it was something else. It might have been a cue that was driving it or a behavior or a routine. So two tips. If hunger has made its way to the forefront of your mind, number one, choose the language that you use. Uh, and number two is to, to take a pause. You get to choose because... We've been in that situation where you're so hungry, you want to eat, and it feels like you are eating, 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 and you just can't stop because you're just so hungry, right? Uh, and you could start pointing the fingers of like, oh, is it, you know, a cue, is it a behavior, is it a routine, you know, am I craving something, whatever it is. Just pause for a moment, think about what we're going to do, maybe just leave the kitchen or leave the environment you're in, go stand outside, go into another room, you may find that it just pauses and breaks the, the chain of things. 
kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any other, any other pro tips on how to manage hunger, either the lead up to hunger or when hunger has driven its its little sword into your heart? No pro tips. I think that um, well, what everyone sort of does on uh, within the Rise app or people I've spoken to um, is just meal prepping, prepping your food. Um, I'm a big meal prepper. I prep for the kids. I prep for us. If we don't meal prep or if I don't meal prep, for instance, today I had nothing prepped or organized for my lunches and stuff, so I was snacking all day, all day snacking. Um, and like we were talking about earlier, feel a little bit gross about it but it's okay because tomorrow's a new day (laughs) um so i think yeah pro tip is to meal prep plan your journey you know when you're going to bring be hungry um as you would if you were leaving the house with kids you bring snacks just in case um bring your protein bars just in case bring your uh smoothie have that all 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 set up or whatever you're taking to work whatever you're doing meal prep it's there good to go you're not reaching for things that aren't um, towards your goals. Yeah, yeah, towards your goals. Yeah, you know, totally. Uh, I think like the old saying of like, you know, you either plan to succeed or you plan to fail, mm. right? So if you take that moment to plan and maybe you do chop up some fruit and veg that's easy to snack on when you are snacking. So yeah. like, you know, we're talking fruits, apples, and and you know, carrots and celery and such. So things that are very low in calories that you could just nibble on you get that sensory specific satiety when you crunch on a on a celery or the carrot the crunch it's like you know eating chips crunch uh that has a really high level satiety so if you plan for some of these foods to be part of your either snacks or you're planning meals so that you're less likely to snack all day and over consume or feel hungry and when you're hungry you make really bad choices right like when you're hungry you go to the supermarket not a good idea, not a good idea. <laughs> no so good well look Let's wrap up there for this episode on hunger and eating. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know. And we'll catch you next week for the next one. Great. Thanks for having me.